Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start by reading from verse 25. We'll read all the way through to verse 40. So Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 25. I know you just sat down, but if you wouldn't mind, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Words will be on the screen for you if you don't have them readily available. Listen to the word of the Lord. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And all at once there was a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations, and the doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw the open doors of the prisoner of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted loudly, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer said, Let's get some lights. He rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside, and he asked, Honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? Or your translation might say, What must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. And they spoke the, word, the Lord's word to him and everyone else in his house. And right then, in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them, and he washed their wounds. And he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his home, and he gave them a meal. And he was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. And the next morning, the legal authorities sent the police to the jailer with the order, release those people. So the jailer reported this to Paul, informing him, hey, the authorities sent word that you both are to be released. You can leave now. Go in peace. Paul told the police, even though we are Roman citizens, They beat us publicly without first finding us guilty of a crime. They threw us into a prison. And now they want to send us away secretly? No way. They will have to come and escort us out. And the police reported this to the legal authorities who were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came and consoled Paul and Silas, escorting them out of the prison and begging them to leave the city. And Paul and Silas left the prison, made their way to Lydia's house, where they encouraged the brothers and sisters. Then they left Philippi. This is God's word for us this morning. 
All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That is how John describes the beginning of all things. John says before there was anything else in the world, there was God. And God existed in community with himself, the Word, or Jesus, with the Father, in the Holy Spirit. So then we get to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we read how the world is created. And we, were, we read about how God created man and woman. And we read about how when God created man and woman, they walked with God in the garden. And they experienced the kind of community with God that God had experienced within himself for all of time. And then we get to Genesis chapter 17. And we read that God was with Abraham. Then we get to Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, Moses was called by God to free his people. And Moses says this, Who am I that I should go and stand before Pharaoh? And God's response was, I will be with you. We get to the book of Joshua. And to Joshua, the Lord says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. First Samuel chapter 16, the Lord is with David. Jeremiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, before you were born, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. You will go and say everything I command you. You will not be afraid because I am with you. And then finally, we get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we are introduced to Jesus, who is to be called Emmanuel, because he is literally God with us. And once again, just like God did in Genesis chapter 1, God literally walks with his people. He lives with them. He breaks bread with them. He weeps with them. And then at the end of Matthew's gospel, before Jesus ascends up into heaven, the very final words he speaks are this, Behold, I am with you, even to the very end of the age. Now, it is such a small little word, with. But that word, carries the power of the Christian story. The essence of what we believe of as followers of Jesus is this. God is with us. That is the testimony of the Bible from beginning to end. That God desires more than anything else 
to be with us. And so today and throughout this month, we're going to talk about us. We're going to talk about us, our church, where we are at, what God is doing, what God is inviting us to do and to become. And our frequency when we talk about that stuff is to talk about all the things that we have done and that we will do for God. All the stuff that's been accomplished for God, all the stuff that we could do for God, that's what we tend to talk about, and that's fine. But this morning, based on the testimony of Scripture, I want to come at this from a little bit of a different angle. I want to talk about what it means, before we do anything for God, to be people who are with God. So, uh, yesterday I had the privilege of officiating a wedding. I love, I love officiating weddings. I am such a softie uh, for weddings. And there is a moment that always, always, always gets me. And, and the moment that always gets me is when, and I have a front row seat of, of the action. I get to witness this firsthand. A lot of people in the audience, they don't get to see the dynamics that are at play. I do. I'm standing here, and the bride is walking down the aisle arm in arm with her father. She's taken the arm of her father, and her father is escorting her down, down the aisle. And they stop. And the groom is standing here waiting. And sometimes there's tears, and there's tears, and then you look at Dad, and there's a lot of tears. <laughs> and then I, I speak up, and I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And hopefully it all goes well. And sometimes the, the, the father says, her mother and I. Sometimes something else is said. And then the father turns to his girl and embraces her, kisses her one last time. And then the groom steps forward and embraces the father, embraces his bride. And then they lock arms, and they walk forward. There's a little bit of a picture about this scene. When the bride came down, with, came down the aisle, she was with her dad, and he was with her. When the groom greets her, she is with him, and he is with her. Here's my conviction. Here's my conviction. What we do for God is important. But it is not as important as what we do with God. What we do for God is important. But it's not nearly as important as what we do with God. And you might not yet see this distinction, but I hope you do before we're done. So, let's turn our attention back to Acts chapter 16. And here's the background. In Acts chapter 16, 
Paul and Silas are in Antioch, and they're deep in prayer and communion with God. And Paul and Silas were set apart to do God's work. And so they go out, and they start to do the work of God. They go to this city called Philippi. And when they go to the city of Philippi, they start to cause some trouble. They're arrested, they're beaten, and they're thrown into a prison cell, which is more like a dungeon. Don't imagine like a state or federal penitentiary today. Kind of imagine more of a dungeon. And so let's kind of pick up the story back and let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26 again. So here's the story. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying They were singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening in. And all of a sudden, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. And the doors of that dungeon flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, can you imagine that scene? Put yourself in the shoes of Paul and Silas in that scene. You're there in a dungeon. You've been wrongly convicted by your own country and your own people. You've been thrown into this prison cell. Every single day you are beaten and bloodied. You have wounds as a result of this. You are shackled. It's not a good scene. And here you are. You're in your prison cell. And what's getting you through? Singing some hymns, some spiritual songs, praying with God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this earthquake begins to rumble and the walls begin to shake. And as a result, the doors of yourself fly open. In fact, it was so strong that it shook the foundation to the point where you've now been released from being shackled to the wall. Your chains are off. The doors are open. You're a prisoner wrongly convicted, what would you do next? If you were a normal person, you would leave. You would leave. You would think to yourself, God delivered us. God set us free. Hey, Silas, come on, man. Let's go. Let's get out of here. But look what happens next. Verse 27. When the jailer awoke, So the jailer had fallen into a sleep. It's like something out of a comic book. When the jailer awoke and he saw the doors of the prison open, he thought all of the prisoners had escaped. So he took out his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul cried out, hey, don't do it. We're here. So Paul and Silas had the opportunity to be freed from this prison where they had been wrongly thrown into. But they didn't leave. They stayed. So then the jailer calls for some lights. He rushes in. He falls trembling, the story says, before Paul and Silas. He himself led them outside and he speaks to them. Honorable masters, what do I have to do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved. Your entire household will be saved. And so let's look closely at this story. 
Why is it, do you think, that the Philippian jailer decided to turn his life over to Jesus? You know, our first instinct is to think, well, he did that because of the earthquake. I mean, this mighty display of God's power happened, and he witnessed this mighty display of the power of God, and so he thought, whoa, there's something going on here. We think it's the miracle that caused him to come back to Jesus. But when we read the story for what it's worth, we realize it wasn't the earthquake that caused him to think, oh, the presence of God is here. I mean, it wasn't like he witnessed that earthquake and he said, oh, look at what God is doing. That earthquake happened, and as a result, he wanted to take his sword out and, and kill himself, take his own life. Because he thought to himself, all of the prisoners escaped under my watch. It was my job to keep them in here. They all escaped. I failed. My life is over. It was not the earthquake that converted him to Jesus. It was when he heard a voice shouting out of the darkness of that prison cell, hey, we're still here. That is what prompts him to say, what do I have to do to be like you guys? The real miracle in this story was that even though Paul and Silas had the opportunity to escape, they chose not to. They stayed. They stayed. And the fact that they stayed so confused that jailer, he couldn't understand it. He looked at them and he said, something different is going on here with these guys. What's different about them? And what was different is that Paul and Silas were living their life under the reality that it did not matter what their circumstances were. They were with God. They were with God, deeply in his presence. And the story gets even more bizarre. After all of that had happened, the jailer takes Paul and Silas home to his house with him, because who doesn't want to bring some prisoners home for dinner? And he feeds them. He clothes them. The story says that he tends to their wounds because they had been beaten up while they were there, probably by him. And as a result, his whole family decides to follow Jesus. And then it gets even more bizarre because verses 35 to 40 tell us that Paul and Silas willingly go back to prison. Even after the earthquake, even after the authorities who put them there said, you guys can go home, they went back. Why? Why did Paul and Silas not escape when God freed them? And why did they willingly choose to go back to prison the next morning after the jailer had been converted and the authorities said, you're free to go home? Why go back? It all hinges on verse 25, the first verse of this story. The verse that says, it's about midnight, and Paul and Silas were praying in that jail cell and singing hymns to God. 
in that dungeon, shackled to the wall, beaten and bloodied, Paul and Silas are with God. They were in prayer. They were deeply communing with Jesus. So when the earthquake happens and the shackles fall off, their first thought wasn't, let's get out of here. Their first thought was, you know what? God is here with us. I don't know if I want to leave. God is here with us. I'm not sure that we need to go. I mean, remember, this is the guy. Paul is the guy who would write from a different prison cell later in his life that he, con- he considers all things loss. He literally considers all things dung, meaningless, worthless, apart from the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everything is worthless for Paul if it's experienced apart from being with God. And Paul and Silas were with God in the worst circumstances in the world. They were with God, but that's all that mattered to them. Their circumstances didn't matter. What mattered is the reality of the communion that they were experiencing with God in that place. That's what was most important. And so when the prison doors fly open and the, sh- and the shackles fall off of their arms and their feet, their first instinct isn't, get me out of here so we can experience this prison break so that our circumstances can be made better. Their first reaction was, we're with God. And if we're with God here... We don't really need to leave. And as a result, the Philippian jailer who wakes up and notices that everybody everybody escaped while he was asleep and he's about to take his life, Paul and Silas say, hey, don't do it. We're still here. And it's the fact that they wouldn't leave that caused the Philippian jailer to say, can you tell me what makes you stay in this horrible place when you had the opportunity to get out of here. And that gives Paul and Silas all of the opportunity that they need to say, can we tell you about Jesus? Can we tell you about Jesus? Now, you've experienced this in your life as well. You probably haven't been trapped up in some awful dungeon of a prison, beaten, bloodied, shackled, and some miraculous thing happens. But you've experienced the greater reality that this passage of Scripture is talking about. The greater reality of presence matters more than circumstances. Presence matters more than circumstances. You've experienced the the greater reality of who you are with is more important in the most important moments of your life than what you live your life for. Who, are, who you are with is what matters most of all. Some of you have been in a hospital before, and life was vulnerable, and it could go either way. And in that most important moment of your life, you're not focusing on what you are doing or what you could be doing. You are focusing in those moments on who you are with. 
and who is with you. Many of you know Sherry and I's story that early on in in our marriage, we were blessed with the birth of a second daughter who spent some time in intensive care early on. And that was a, a difficult part of our journey because we had so hoped and desired to bring her home with her sister after 48 hours like everybody else does. But she was hooked up to some machines to help her learn to breathe and to learn to eat. And it was just a whirlwind moment in our life. And in that moment, at that point in our life, we were not focusing on what we should be doing. We were focusing on who we are with. Some of you have experienced the moment where you received the news 